the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't you ever tell someone they are what they are not. For you will make them miserable, presuming they are something and have something they don't. From Grace Bible Church here in Hayward, hi there and welcome. This is Way of Grace with Pastor Jesse Gastan. Today, we continue our series on forgiveness. And today, we're titling our message, Waiting for Forgiveness. We're in Psalm 130, taking a look at the first eight verses. It's here that we see a troubled faith waiting on God. And you know, there are times where we are called to wait. In this fast food mentality culture that we live in, God says, no, I'm not going to give it to you within 60 seconds. We're going to grow you and make you wait a little bit. There is wisdom and there is deep love in waiting on God. Join us as we learn more from Psalm 130. Here's Jesse Gastan and today's broadcast of Way of Grace. What are we talking about today? The forgiveness of God. Not just forgiveness, but the forgiveness of God. We want to know what it means to be forgiven and understand all of its implications and benefits to us and blessings to us. Last week, I called your attention to the importance of making sure that you have such a passion for the forgiveness of sins that you want other people to have it too. And so we dealt with it from the standpoint of how does forgiveness affect you and me as a believer evangelically? And what we said was that we wanted to have a desire that other people would know the forgiveness of sins just like we do. And and that requires a heart work for you to want people to have what you have. And the heart work really lies in you knowing what you have. Angelo just exhorted you on um, blessed assurance. Jesus is what? Mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. But the end of that him was rejoicing what? All the day long. Lord, forgive us because we don't. And the reason we don't is because we really don't pour ourselves into who you are and what you have done for us enough to find ourselves rejoicing all day long. When we talk about the forgiveness of sins, we want people to know it, don't we? Because we want them to know what it means to have your sins lifted up off of you taken by somebody else and then carried away and then also what it means to have your sins covered so that you might continue in your walk with God and the blessings of a relationship between you and God realized in your life. You see, child of God, infinite wisdom has determined that the only way he can have a relationship with you 
is through forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins then becomes the mechanism and the process by which relationship is sustained with God, right? You and I need God to forgive us of our sins. And we need forgiveness every day, don't we? We need it to be a fundamental substratum to our relationship and an overarching comfort to our walk with God. Can you imagine what it's like to know the lifting of your sins off of your conscience? And then the distancing of those same sins from your conscience. And then ultimately the disappearance of those sins from your conscience. That's the work of God in the forgiveness of sins. And what that means then is that forgiveness is not merely a positional thing by which you and I know doctrinally that God has forgiven us. Forgiveness has to also be subjective and personal. Something you experience. Something you experience in your soul. Something you experience in your spirit, in your mind. And here's the word that comes to mind. Peace of conscience. Stay with me now because I want to help you grasp the importance of not walking around on a one-legged theology. Doctrine is objective, but it's meant to be experienced. And the soul that's running around happy in Jesus is doing so because they know the forgiveness of sins experientially. Now, what we're going to be doing today is really tooling you. So for you men, what I want you to do is pull out your gospel tool belt. Now, I know this is tough for lazy men, but for you brothers that don't mind fixing stuff, pull out your gospel tool belt because I'm giving you tools today, tools of forgiveness. Now, ladies, pull out your gospel purse because I'm giving you tools and supplies and resources to put in your purse. And here's the reason why. I want to talk to you about forgiveness of sins from the standpoint of counsel. See, every believer should be a counselor. You should be able to instruct people, encourage people, guide people, lead people. You should be able to help them. Here's the question I'm going to pose, which is going to be justified by our psalm as we unpack it. When someone comes to you because they have heard that you say you are a believer and know God and the forgiveness of your sins, because that's the only way you can know him and the pardon of your sins, right? And they say, you know, I have asked God to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And yet I don't feel like God has done that. I don't sense any kind of relief from the guilt and burden of my conscience and my heart. How are you going to counsel them? Are you going to tell them, child, you're forgiven? Man or woman, you're forgiven. You just have to believe God and keep on moving. Don't you dare do that. Don't you dare take the place of God. Don't you dare presume upon the work of the Holy Spirit. Don't you dare say to the soul who may not yet know God, that you know God, and that God called you by his grace, and Christ died for your sins, and the Holy Ghost has made you a new creature. And there's faith residing in your heart because of a revelation of the gospel. Don't you ever tell someone they are what they are not. Yeah. 
for you will make them miserable, presuming they are something and have something they don't. Now, what's going to really establish my point is Psalm 130. There are three words in your first point. You can write them down. They will affirm what I'm about to say. If you have the blessed privilege of someone coming to you and asking you, what do I do? I don't sense God's forgiveness. I don't feel like the weight and burden of the guilt of my soul has been relieved. I'm really miserable. Here's what you do. You give them three words. Wait on God. Got it? Don't you dare talk as if you sit at God's elbow. And God's got to do what you tell him to do. And for every real believer in the house, here's the lesson you get every day of your life. God is a God that says to his people everywhere, wait. The title of our message today then is Waiting on Forgiveness from God. Waiting for forgiveness from God. Waiting for God to forgive. Waiting to experience the blessed, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Waiting for the lifting, waiting for the burden to be removed, waiting on God. Is that offensive to you? Then you're not ready for salvation. I submit to you that in large part, not only does God have a timetable, for when he saves people, and you can't break that timetable, you can't rush that timetable, you can't manipulate it. But in the life of all of God's people, they find themselves realizing that God has a timetable for every aspect of their life, even their sanctification. That there are times when you want God to do something, and he will not because it is not time. Is that true? Is that the way your Bible works? Every patriarch in the Bible, every matriarch in the Bible learned that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of patience. That men and women that's going to get the blessing are going to be men and women who wait for the blessing. You got to wait on God. Here's what I will submit to you as we work through our outline today too. This, and what we have, this Psalm, Psalm 130 is an amazing Psalm. I don't even know if I'm going to have time to really work it through today. It's so rich and so deep. What's fascinating about our account is what I'm calling a picture without a visible frame. And what I mean by that is when you open up this Psalm and it's only eight verses, it really does give you a lot of content about what's happening. But the framework for that content is only inferred. It is not explicit. You don't see the frame. You don't see the boundaries. You don't see the context unless you are in the same place that the psalmist is. And I'm about to unpack that. So what that means is you get to see a picture, but no frame. You get to say, I, I see the picture vividly. What is the picture vividly that's in our account? Distress, trouble, longing, suspense, anxious waiting and pleading for a change. Is that what it's doing? It's an anxious pleading for a change. By the way, a change that does not come in this psalm. There's no resolve in this psalm for this brother's plea or request, is there? He's asking, he's pleading, he's talking, no resolve. Does it sound like God? Just like God. 
And may I submit to you why? Because what the psalmist is about to teach you, child of God, is how God always waits for the ripening season of repentance in your life before release. The ripening season of repentance in your life before relief. Before God relieves you of the burden, he waits for the ripening of the fruit. Because you and I have already learned that forgiveness is not God's sort of permissive way of just letting you go. And therefore, for a child of God, you never presume upon God's forgiveness. You never just say, oh, God's going to forgive me. You never act that way. You never act as if somehow you don't have a real bilateral relationship with God where God expects you to act and respond a certain way around your sin and error in order that God might, here it is, repay you the blessed, blessed, blessed plea of releasing you. In other words, whosoever covers his sins shall not what? Prosper. But whosoever confesses and forsakes them, they shall have what? Mercy. Stay with me. Stay with me. In other words, forgiveness of sins is about relationship. It's not simply about position or benefit. It's about how God keeps you in his presence, respecting him and loving him and adoring him and him blessing you. Here's the text that I'll use as a premise. It's Hosea chapter 5, verse 15. In Hosea 5, 15, this is where God has spoken through Hosea. And he says in the book of Hosea, after Israel over and over and over again refuses to repent, refuses to come back to God. Here's what he says. I will go and I will return to my place until they acknowledge their what? And then do what? Seek my face. In their affliction, they will seek me early. Does God know us? Stay with me then. God waits, and because God waits, you have to wait. Because God knows that there's a real confession and a real repentance, and there's a superficial carnal one that has nothing to do with really acknowledging what you have done. Are you guys hearing me? God waits, and that's why the burden remains. And that's why the guilt remains. And that's why you enter into the state that we're about to describe now, which is so profound and involved in terms of what the psalmist is dealing with. When I said that the psalmist is giving us a picture without a frame, he's giving us an account that doesn't have an obvious result. There is one there, but in this particular psalm, all we see is a kind of trouble that the psalm, psalmist describes as a, watch this now, a journey downward. A descent that appears to be bottomless. A descending down that he calls the depths. The depths. Look at verse 1, and then I'll, I'll impose upon you the sense of the title of our first point. Are you at verse 1? Out of the depths have I cried unto thee. See, here's how the psalmist is opening up his, his song. This is really a song. He's opening up the song, sharing with you that he is on his way down in the dark waters of the sea. He's sinking. He's sinking, sinking, sinking in the depths. He's 
seeking in the depths. And for him and for you and I, the depths have no bottom. Because no human being can plumb the depths of the sea. For the psalmist, he is in the kind of trouble that is so disconcerting that he wants God to know that he is utterly helpless. Out of the depths. That's the paradoxical nature of verse 1.A. Out of the depths. Out of the depths. That's a dark place. Out of the depths. That's a negative place. Out of the depths. That's a painful, painfully vulnerable place, right? Out of the depths. And here is the positive. This is the tension of the believer's life, isn't it? Cried I unto thee. Do you see it? In other words, there's a negative there, right? Out of the depths. Here's the positive. Have I cried unto you? Out of the depths have I cried. Out of the depths have I cried. And I assert to most of you that until you find yourself in the depths, you don't really cry out to God. You try to solve it on your own. You try to solve it on your own. But I want to stay on this because I really want you to get the depths. Because I would also assert that most of us in this room have really not gone through the depths of the Psalms. Now, some of you may have, but not most of us. Most of us have lived so well in our lives. And here's the, end of re- here's the reason, reason why. Here's the indicative as to why. You don't remember the last time you cried out to God like this. This is how you know you ain't been through nothing. This is how you know you haven't been through anything. Because if you were going through what this psalmist is going through, I guarantee you cry. In fact, everywhere in the scriptures where people were going through the depths, guess what they did? Cried. I guarantee you that if you are not crying like this, you're not going through the depths. And again, this particular term, which is so important for you to grasp is really speaking about the seas. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the Friday study, did we not? The seas, which becomes this massive entity of overwhelming, nemesine power over the people of God and over the world of which only God can master and control. The sea was a fearful thing for the Jewish person or the Hebrew Israelite because they understood and it ought to to be fearful to you. Have you ever been out there? Have you ever been out there? Have you been exposed to the vastness of the seemingly endless seas out there? Have you ever been on the water in a little tin can like my brother used to take me out fishing several, I ain't been out there in a long time, brother, remember, little tin can out there on those waves, vulnerable to being swallowed up by the ocean. You realize how puny you are and how you may be able to swim, but not that well. I want to go deep enough into the psalm so that you appreciate the forgiveness of sins. I don't want you to be superficial with your reading of the Bible. Because the person whom God has used in his trouble, whom you don't know, which means this is a general epistle given to all saints. You don't know who he is. You don't know his background. You don't know where he comes from. He has no name. And whenever God does that, it means it's a general epistle for you. Y'all got that? Right. You can't hide behind the context. In other words, it applies to all and anyone in that situation. No name. Why? Because anyone in this situation fits the bill here. What do you do when you're in a situation like this brother here? I tell you, you do exactly what he does. Do exactly what he does. Now, what's amazing about the use of this term in verse 30, part A, out of the depths, is we have more of a sort of 
illustration and development of it in Psalm 69. Look over in Psalm 69, verses 1, 2, and 3. And then I want you to see it in verses 13 through 15. I want you to see how the psalmist in Psalm 69 describes it. And you will then be affirmed in the way in which I have presented it to you thus far. Psalm 69, verse 1. Are you there? Save me, O God. For the waters are coming in unto my soul. You see how he's now making it more vivid? And do you understand now what he's saying while he's in the depths? What is he saying? Save me. Save me. Save people. Have you ever been in the kind of trouble that you ask God to save you all over again? Right. So you you really want to get this because there are troubles that can come into your life of which the only wise thing you do intuitively is ask God to do what? Peter's seeking. He's seeking. And there is no other appropriate word to give to Jesus but what? Lord, save me. Now, what the psalmist wants you and I to do is understand a place that you may not be at yet, but you might end up there. What the psalmist wants us to do is understand that there are people who are in these circumstances to whom you may be able to bring comfort if you get the doctrine right. Save me, O God, for the waters are coming unto my soul. Look at verse 2. Here it is. I sink in the deep mire. Do you see it? Now watch this. A power has overwhelmed him and is bringing him down. He's sinking. Gravity is having its way with him, right? You and I don't see him wrestling. He may be wrestling, but what is he concluding? I'm sinking while I'm wrestling. I'm not winning this battle. I'm not rising up. I'm going down. And because his waters, the waters have come in on his soul. In other words, his mortal life is in danger, is it not? Have you ever almost drowned? Have you ever almost drowned? You talked to God real quick, didn't you? I sink in deep mire where there's no standing, no standing, no standing. I'm about to talk about that. I am come into deep waters where the floods, what? Is that a bad day? Is that a bad day? It's a real bad day. It's a real bad day. And if you are talking to someone that's going through that kind of day, don't you ever give them a bad day. Don't you ever give them superficial Bible verses. Out of, out of a sort of arrogant assumption that a Bible verse, a quip, a religious phraseology will bring comfort to a soul that's going down that deep. You better empathize with them. Or you better say, you know what, you better talk to somebody because these are waters way too deep for me. I ain't never been there. I'll pray for you, but don't you even say that out loud because that doesn't help when a brother's drowning. The psalmist here is describing experientially what it is. Verse 3, notice this. Verse 3 plainly says, I am weary of my what? My throat is dry. Have you ever been there? You're crying, you're crying, you're crying. You're calling, you're calling, you're calling. And God is not answering. Why is God not answering? Because God waits for the season of the ripe fruit of repentance. You been there? You you wonder why God didn't come through. Why hasn't he come through? God, I'm crying. I'm calling out. In fact, I'm getting tired of even crying. My throat is dry from crying and calling on you. My eyes fail while I what? There it is. Now look at verse 13. 
13 through 15. I want you to get a bigger picture. But as for me, my prayer is unto you, O Lord, in an acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of your mercies, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. Notice how he's calling on God for what? Mercy. And look at verse 14. Deliver me out of the what? I'm stuck. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not what? Sink. Let me deliver, be delivered from them that hate me and out of the what? This is amazing because what the person is going through in the metaphor and analogy of the depths is really the psychological and emotional and spiritual deep, deep depression that comes when you are clear that you are out of control. Such a wonderful time here in God's Word. It's our hope and prayer that you're growing in grace as you take the time to study God's Word with us. We thank you for joining us. This is Way of Grace, the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We would leave you with an invitation. If you enjoyed the time you've had with us today studying God's Word, please consider this a formal invitation to join us in person. Sunday services at Grace Bible Church in Hayward are at 11 a.m. Sunday schools at 10. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We've got a lot of folks from all over and from a variety of churches joining us Friday evenings at 8 p.m. for this Bible study. You're invited to either one. We're located at 20450 Royal Avenue. That's here in Hayward. And the zip code is 94541. You can also get directions at our website, grace-bible.com. Again, that's grace-bible.com. Or simply call for directions, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. As always, we have CDs available. You can download the messages off our website or call us and order a CD of today's broadcast or any program that you have heard here on Way of Grace. We'd be more than happy to get one out to you. You can call us at 510-886-9782. 9782 or stop by our website grace-bible.com we do thank you for spending time with us today trust we'll see you next time we get together for another broadcast of way of grace with pastor jessica stan three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.